The following is a conversation with Chris Burns, CEO of First Atlantic Commerce, one of the biggest payment gateway providers in the Caribbean and Latin America. I hope you enjoy this conversation. To introduce myself fully for, you know, for your listeners and watchers that don't know me in the Caribbean, my name is Chris Burns. I'm the CEO of First Atlantic Commerce. And First Atlantic Commerce is first and foremost uh, an e-commerce payment gateway company. So we, our job is to provide effectively the connectivity, the technical connectivity between a merchant's website and a bank and their processor, which ultimately will connect into the Visa, MasterCard, uh, Amex interchange network to be able to then route that real-time transaction to the bank that issued that credit card that's trying to do the transaction. And then ultimately, you know, if there's funds available, capture those funds, put a hold on those funds, and respond back through that transaction string to the website to say, you know, yes, you can accept that transaction for our merchants. So, I mean, that is taking a very vast network and kind of boiling it down very, very quickly. Um, and it's one of these industries that until you get into it, you don't really realize how complicated it is. Yeah, yeah, I've been, I joined FAC nearly 19 years ago, mm -hmm. uh, and I've worked in various capacities at the company over that time. And, you know, when I first joined and I was trying to get my arms around the industry itself, I was amazed by how much happens in the background. You know, I've used cards all my life and, mm -hmm. and you know, never really thought about what happens when I, you know, swipe my card. There was no tap back then. There was barely internet, um, you know, just starting. Um, and we were one of the first companies, certainly within the region, that was providing online uh, authorization services for, for websites. So, you know, back then, you know, it was, you were looking at a, a what we call a payment processor. So big names you'd recognize now would be people like Fiserv or um, Global Payments. Um, well, TSIS is now part of Global Payments, but uh, EPX, HPS Power Card. And the interfaces to those are, are actually, and still are, very complicated. So our job within that ecosystem is, is to provide all those integrations to the processors mm -hmm. and then provide a very simple API or hosted payment page or shopping cart integration to allow merchants to get up and running online very, very quickly. Uh, so we, in that 22 years, we've, we've worked in Europe, we've worked in the US, we've done a bit in Canada, even far afield is Mauritius actually. And then we retasked and focused specifically on the Caribbean and Central America about nine years ago. And uh, so at that time we were only working with Scotiabank and we were doing, you know, a few, few merchants, but we, we saw there was a lot of desire to get into e-commerce e and grow the e-commerce economy within the Caribbean and Central America. But there weren't really a lot of providers that were focusing on the region. Yeah. And, you know, when you live on an island nation, you know, sometimes it's very hard to get the attention of, of the bigger, bigger players, you know, like the, the Microsofts or the, you know, authorized.nets or yeah, right. whoever that might be. So trying to get them to pay attention to what is, you know, geographically a small territory, you know, there isn't, a, there wasn't a lot of e-commerce business at the time. So the, the, you know, the transaction volume was quite low. So we felt that there was a, a large opportunity there to be able to support that, you know, that demand, but also, with the with an understanding of what it is to be in this in this region, uh, so you know we we and we took all our technology, which is comparable to any of the big names that you would care to mention from a gateway perspective, and apply that specifically for the Caribbean and Central America. And so, fast forward nine years, we're connected to just about every e-commerce acquiring bank within the Caribbean. So all the big Canadian banks like RBC, CIBC, Scotia Bank. And then all the big uh, domestic banks in bigger countries like Jamaica, so NCB, First Global, and then you know BNTB in Bermuda and Cayman, uh, First Citizens in Trinidad, Republic Bank in Trinidad, and now Republic has actually you know grown and acquired a bunch of these territories from Scotiabank, certainly within the Eastern Caribbean. So you know they are in you know a number of different countries now, including you know Guyana and Barbados and Suriname and and then all the Eastern Caribbean countries they acquired from from Scotiabank as well. And then we work all through Central America, um, from Panama up to but not including Mexico. And so we work with the BAC Credimatic 
through all those countries, uh, which is the largest acquirer, e-commerce acquirer within that region as well. Uh, so we are, I guess, a, a relatively large player in a small geography, <laughs> I guess this is the way we put it. So, uh, you know, and we, we focus predominantly on that. And that's why I think people like to work with us because, you know, we have great technology, we have great customer service, we're focused on the region, we don't treat it as a, a sort of an afterthought, as it were. Um, and everything we develop and design and support is specifically for the region. From your perspective, um, when we look at market adoption, um, what would you say is the main hurdle? Is it the, the tech side of things um, or is it more the, the regulatory side um, or maybe even the hesitation from a bank side uh, to, to offer the, yeah, the connection or the services? Well, I, I think it, that's changed over time. Uh, so originally it was the tech. Um, so there, there weren't a lot of options for people to, you know, to build their websites, to get connectivity to some of the major shopping carts that were out there like Shopify or Wix or WooCommerce or Magento or, you know, because all the gateways that were plugged into those were servicing North America or Europe right. and they weren't connected technically to or certified to any of the banks or processes within the region. Uh, so that was the first hurdle. Um, and then once we had solved for that and provided all that connectivity and, and the technology, the next piece was, was certainly working with the banks. Um, so, you know, a lot of the banks had not been in e-commerce before um, and even their counterparts in, in, you know, say Canada, for example, hadn't necessarily had a lot of experience with e-commerce. So there was a lot of, um, uh, there was a very conservative approach to underwriting e-commerce merchant accounts. So in our region, up until quite recently, there are no sort of, there have been no payment facilitators, no PSPs, um, no sort of Stripe or PayPal or Agent type setups. So every time, and, and still is most of the case, every time you wanna get an e-commerce merchant account from the bank, you have to apply directly to the bank. Um, and it's, you know, same like kind of getting a, a corporate account with a, with a loan facility attached to it. So that's the level of KYC and AML documentation that you have to provide within there. So, you know, your corporate accounts, your, you know, your incorporation documentation, you know, your business plan, you know, your funding, source of funding, and then all about the individuals that are involved in the company as well. So it is quite a lot of paperwork, um, but, you know, it, when it, all the banks are, are playing, having to play by the same rules. So all the, the compliance and the KYC uh, is, is the same across each bank. So, you know, and that is, that can present a challenge when it comes to the sort of micro uh, and smaller merchants, because they don't have necessarily that infrastructure. You know, there are a lot of people within the Caribbean that run their businesses from WhatsApp. Um, yeah. and, you know, so, you know, when you come, so, you know, and that's not to say that they don't have a great product or service. It's just, you know, the corporate infrastructure is not there. Um, you know, it's maybe somebody's side job or something they do at the weekends. Um, and then if you want to accept payments, you have to go through this process with the banks and the banks have got a lot better and they do want to do the business contrary to, you know, a, a, what a, some people might say within the region, you know, the, there's, you know, the, there's a lot of commentary that says the banks don't want to do the business. They make it too complicated. They don't want to deal with small merchants. Um, and that might've been the case a number of years ago. Um, but certainly, you know, during this last 18 months, uh, you know, the, the viewpoint on that has changed dramatically. Uh, so, you know, you mentioned WePay earlier, for example. So they're a client of ours. So we, we power the, 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 the credit card processing piece of WePay on the back end. Um, so, and WePay has done a great job in terms of providing simple infrastructure uh, and technology for sort of smaller merchants to be able to get up and running online quickly. Um, so they are the, so what we would call the first sort of payment facilitator within the region. Um, that's not directly uh, a bank. Um, of course they have a bank relationship on the back end to be able to support that, but you know, they have signed up thousands of merchants, smaller merchants to be able to help them get online uh, quickly and then they underwrite that. So that's been a really important part of, of uh, the e-commerce adoption, you know, within the region, even, you know, so pre COVID. Um, and then obviously the last 18, 20 months have changed you know, the, the viewpoint on e-commerce dramatically. So we had prior to that, you know, and, and we still see it here today in Bermuda, this sort of, um, 
standard line culture when it comes to banking. Uh, even though you know most of what people are going to the bank for, you can do electronically these days. You know whether it's depositing cash or checks that people are still using checks or whatever that might be. But it's ingrained in our in our culture within our region. You know and that's part of it. So you know that has changed again dramatically over the last 18, 20 months. Uh, so you know people are are have been forced into the technology, and once that's happened, people really are like, okay, well actually this is this is not that scary. We can nice. yeah. <laughs> exactly. And this is better. You know, this the experience yeah. is better. You know, and yeah. even for me, you know, somebody that you know, I never go into a bank unless I absolutely have to. Yeah. Um, but even things like the online shopping, like supermarkets in Bermuda, that wasn't really a big thing. It was starting to get going before before COVID, um, and you know, we'd supported a bunch of supermarket initiatives here and, and in the Carib you know, full Caribbean too, but. You know that you know, and I hadn't really experienced it much myself. Um, but you know, the fact that I can just order everything online, drive up, have it put in the back of my car, um, not have to drag my kids around the supermarket. <laughs> um, you know, it's just such a much more pleasurable experience. And I, I think a lot of people have experienced that right across the board, whether it's having food delivered or shopping or paying their bills, the utility bills or their phone bills. Um, realizing that, okay, actually I can do this. It's quick. It's easy. I can do whatever I want. I don't have to be, you know, tied down to when the store physical store is open, um, uh, or not. And it's just been a dramatic change and a massive, uh, injection of confidence in the, in the industry, um, facilitated by, by COVID. And yeah, talking about change. From your perspective, what are the countries, maybe especially over the last 18 months since, since COVID hit, that yeah, took the, the biggest change or the biggest steps forward in terms of online payments? Are there significant differences or is it like yeah, through the bank? Yeah, there, there are differences. Um, and the, the different banks have, take diff have taken different approaches to it. Um, so if you, um, you, you, know, you mentioned your tie to Jamaica Forest, somebody like NCB, for example, um, you know, have been very aggressive in terms of pushing their e-commerce agenda uh, and have put a lot of time and energy and, and promotion into that. And, you know, we can see that through just the number of clients that we set up for them, for example. And Jamaica in general, I think, has been, you know, within the region, one of the countries that has been at the forefront of, of trying to embrace the digital economy. You know, whether that's, you know, uh, standard e-commerce, whether it's you know opening up the sandbox environment to you know test all different sort of financial technologies, you know WePay just you mentioned before moved their headquarters to to Jamaica. Uh, there are a lot of tech companies there. There's a lot of outsourcing companies that have been set up in Jamaica as well. Um, there's a lot of good software development skills in Jamaica. Uh, a lot of people that have have come up and and you can get a lot of excellent developer resource or technical know-how within Jamaica. Trinidad has been the same, uh, I find, you know, the, I think the legislation is a bit more developed in Jamaica than it would be in Trinidad, for example. Mm -hmm. um, but again, the, the level of, of knowledge and talent that you can get there is, is, is very strong. And then you see, you know, companies like Bit coming out of Barbados, which, you know, are, are central bank digital currency solutions. Um, you know, so they've been very strong in that space. So Dcash is something that that's come up. Uh, within the Eastern Caribbean in terms of, you know, digitizing the fiat currency, um, central bank issued. And also in Bahamas, you've seen sand dollar come in. Um, so, you know, there is a lot of um, demand to understand that te those technologies and figure out, you know, how, how, how do we implement those within the region? How do we financially include more people? Um, and which of these technologies is best going to support us to do that? You know, is it cryptocurrency? Is it a stable coin? Is it digitizing the, the fiat currency? Um, you know, working with the central banks. And there's just going to be, I think, you know, we're going to go through this period of, of a little bit of trial and error, certainly. Um, so, okay, well, which ones do I do? Because I know the region has felt excluded um, mm -hmm. financially for, for a very long time. And, you know, it's expensive to send wires. Uh, you know, countries getting put on blacklists, um, you know, and it's, and it's, it's been frustrating, you know, you know, the region is frustrated with that and they're trying to work out 
other technologies and other solutions that are going to make um, you know transacting and sending money and sharing money easier and better. Yeah, I agree with the exclusion part, and uh, I think that is or was and uh, probably still is a big yeah kind of break for economic growth or slows it down in a lot of areas. Yeah. Um, I want to talk a little bit about a practical approach um, because when I understand you right, um, in the past you, yeah, or let's say um, I think enterprise level um, hasn't had the or was probably one of the first adopters in uh, yeah, online payment solutions. Um, maybe you can guide me a little bit through the the process or your recommendation for a medium sized uh, business let's say retail, um, let's say we make a million uh, US dollar in revenue uh, per year and we're deciding, okay, uh, we need the e-commerce solution and we have to make two big decisions. Um, what will be the, the web uh, solution, uh, the e-commerce e shop, if you want to call it, and yeah. we um, need the payment um, processor. So um, is there a specific um, yeah, e-commerce solution or system that you would recommend. We talked about WooCommerce, we talked about Magento, we talked about Shopify, um, and what would be the, the process uh, from there? Yeah, so what I always say is, is think payments first. And that's not just because I'm a payment gateway company uh, and the CEO of one of those companies. It's because specifically because of the region and the connectivity on the back end. And so we've seen it time and time again over the years that people will go website first and will buy a shopping cart or whatever that might be. And then they build it, it looks amazing. Um, but then when they come to accepting payments, they, it only connects to like authorized.net or PayPal, none of which connect directly to any of the banks within our region. Um, so there's been this huge in, uh, outlay of, of, of cash and time. And then, you know, when the, the actual sort of lifeblood of the website in terms of being able to get paid for anything you're selling doesn't work. So that's the first thing that, that we always encourage people to look at. And we have a lot of connectivity now to most of the major shopping carts. So we have worked with local software developing, software development companies uh, like WebGold, for example, at Trinidad that have built plugins for the major car shopping carts, Shopify, WooCommerce, Magento. Uh, and then we've worked with other companies more recently like uh, Tilo Pay, which is based out of Costa Rica. And they have added uh, Wix, for example. So we're one of the first providers within the region to actually support payments for Wix within our region, which is again, hugely popular site um, for building your website, accepting payments. Um, and then we support the, the um, the payment processing so we power the payments for companies like figaro for example again you know essential costa rican based company but design their solutions in terms of payment buttons e-invoicing um you know website builder specifically for the caribbean and central america so um you know all these you know we would you know, encourage people to look at okay what exactly are you are you looking to to build who are you looking to service are you looking to service you know what you're just domestically you know, across the Caribbean, internationally, outside of there, and then work backwards from there in terms of, you know, okay, well, do I want to build my own website? Um, do I have the capital for that? Do I know the right software developers that can help me do that? Um, or do I want to get something off the shelf? Do I want to go to like a WordPress site or a Shopify or a Wix? Um, and I think a lot of people are going that direction within the Caribbean, you know, they are not necessarily building their own site, but they're leveraging, you know, some of these platforms that are fantastic, you know, during, I'll give you an example. So, um, Wix, uh, so, you know, for my, my parents have a, you know, art conservation business, um, they were locked down, you know, they're not very computer literate, um, being in, being in their seventies and, I went, I went into Wix. I'd never built a website before in my life, even though I've been in the industry before. I had something up and running that looks amazing within, you know, hour, hour and a half. Yeah. Um, and that's how quickly you can build something. Um, so I would, you know, certainly encourage people to, to look at all the different options. And, you know, if they don't know where to start within the Caribbean, 
uh, come, come and talk to us because we have 20 odd years experience within the region. We know who all, all the banks are within the, within the different countries. We have the right contact at the bank. So I think sometimes people get a frustrating experience because they'll go into a bank and go ask a teller, for example, you know, I want to set up an e-commerce merchant account. And that's obviously the wrong person to ask, right? And so they go, and sometimes they'll say, well, we don't do that, or I don't know who to talk to. So we will plug people in directly to the right teams and individuals to, to talk, start that process. So you start off on the right foot. And then we can make recommendations on software developers, you know, let them know which shopping carts we work with, what different integration methods we can support, what other tools we have within that as well. So things like uh, recurring payments or tokenization or anti-fraud platforms that we connect to, and we can help people work, work through their technology strategy. Okay. To do that. Um, so that's, you know, it's a bit of a long-winded answer to thing, but, but if, if people just feel like they don't know where to start, um, they can come and talk to us uh, and we, you know, we just know the region really well and we can point them in the right direction. So they don't make any of those mistakes, um, up front. Okay. I want to dive deeper into that in, in a second, but just to, to recap. So what you were saying when I understand you correctly is someone that has the capital to code uh, their own website or shopping cart, um, probably yeah, has all the capacity to, to build the integration by themselves and connect to a payment processor, either that's you or someone else. Yeah. And all the major off the shelf uh, solution, and you, know, you mentioned some of them, Shopify, Wix, and so on, that there are now not native integrations yet, but there are plugins available on the market and maybe even from, from local um, vendors that kind of connect you to the Shopify store or Wix account or whatever it might be. Is that correct so far? Yeah, that's absolutely correct. Because if you want to integrate directly, we have a direct API, for example, that you can okay. come into, or we have a hosted payment page option. And usually that is sort of more the medium to larger size merchants right. because they want right. a bit more flexibility around what they're developing. Okay. So maybe you can um, guide us a little bit to the, the let's say the, the onboarding process. It's, let's assume I decide uh, yeah, that, that you guys are the right yeah, starting point and uh, I call you and say, hey, Chris, I have get my million in revenue. Um, I want to process my payments uh, through you guys. I don't know I have or I don't have a, an e-commerce solution yet. Uh, maybe you can help me with that to what would be the next uh, steps? What kind of yeah, legal documents do I need? How long do I have to wait till everything is working? How high are implementation costs? Um, what is your, your fee? Uh, structure and, and so on. Maybe you can give us a little introduction here. Yeah, certainly. So once we get that, that intro or phone call or, or first email, you know, we'll, one of the first questions we're going to ask is, you know, which bank do they want to work with and have they already started the application process for an e-commerce merchant account? Um, if they haven't, then we will introduce them directly to the right person at that bank in that country to start that process because generally what we ask people to do is you know have that process completed with the bank first uh, because you don't want to start spending money on a technical integration if for whatever reason you haven't been approved by the bank to, to have an e-commerce merchant account okay and just to be clear so the e-commerce merchant account is completely different from a you know a personal account corporate account even a point of sale merchant account it's it's its sole function is to receive funds that have been captured from online transactions. But it is a, a very specific account that you have to apply for with the bank. Um, so once they go through that process, uh, we the setup with us is, is relatively straightforward. So we'll we'll have the conversation with the with the client to figure out which method they want to use to integrate to us. Um, so it's, if it's one of the shopping cart plugins, We'll direct them to the provider that has built the plugin so they can purchase that plugin and it's sort of a staff in and and then no further integration work is required um, and then we will depending on which bank they work with uh, we will either have a direct contract with the merchant or if it's a bank like um, republic bank or first citizens in, in trinidad or um or ncb in jamaica for example uh, those merchants will get all their pricing directly from the bank. Uh, so, because we have a direct contractual relationship with the bank. Um, so we, 
we don't bill the merchant directly. But any of the other banks that we work with, we will tend to have a contract directly with the merchant. So there'll tend to be there'll be a small setup fee. Um, there will be a transaction fee, um, and that's usually dependent on on volume. Um, so we charge it's from the bank side. Sorry for interrupting. Well, depending, depending which bank. Um, so okay. if it's, it's someone like uh, Republic Bank or First Citizens or NCB, all the fees will be charged directly by the bank. Okay. Um, if it's Scotia, RBC, CIBC, for example, or any of the banks here in Bermuda, um, we will have we will charge our fees directly to the merchant. So different. We the way that we work with our banks varies. Um, so we are either, you know, a, a third party provider um, that, you know, we will provide the solution to their clients, but we will have a direct contractual relationship with those clients as well and support them directly. Some of our other bank clients prefer to have an all in one solution that they offer to the merchants. And so we have our contractual relationship with the bank. Um, so it just, it varies depending on what the bank is looking for. And that's what we you know, and our services either range from just, okay, we're a gateway partner of the bank through to, we will help the bank get set up for e-commerce um, for the first time um, and help them run their program, provide the technology, provide consulting in terms of, of how that's done. So it, it, we can cater to whatever the bank needs from that perspective. But to go back to, you know, setting up with us, once that merchant account is approved, we will move into um, support mode for that merchant. So we will provide them access to a test account, sort of a sandbox type of environment where they can test the integration, whether it's through the plugin or they're doing a direct integration through the API or the hosted payment page. And then we will make sure that, you know, all the transactions are, all the transaction types are working as they should do. So like an authorization and the capture of the funds, refunds, reversals, um, recurring payments, if they're using that type of setup, depending on the type of business, uh, the anti-fraud platform. So we partner with Count, um, which is now an Equifax company. Um, mm -hmm. And so it's a very sophisticated anti-fraud platform uh, that we can help provide too. And then once, and then we'll also help with website reviews to make sure that, you know, the terms and conditions are there, you know, refund policies, the different card logos. Um, you know, everything is, is moving smoothly through the website as per the recommendations from the, the card associations, Visa, MasterCard, Annex. And then at that point, you know, we will have done a full test transaction from the website to make sure the funds hit their merchant account. Mm -hmm. And at that point, we hand back over to the merchant bank and say, you know, everything from our perspective looks good. Um, so we believe that the merchant is ready to, to go live. And then after that, we are there to provide technical support on anything to do with the gateway and the, and the sort of real-time transaction processing. Uh, anything on the sort of settlement of funds or, you know, where's my money type questions, uh, the merchant is directed to the bank. And okay. We don't have visibility of that. We don't control the money. We don't actually technically ever have the money uh, from that perspective because we're not, a, we're not a facilitator. We're not a, you know, we're not an aggregator. You know, we're a technology partner. So we're never really holding any of the merchant's funds. So that would be my next question. How long does it take, let's say I pay on your parents' uh, Wix store now and uh, yeah. how long would it take if that would be processed for you? Would that be rely on the bank um, primarily uh, from the time frame? Yeah, it, it is. And it's usually, but it's quite standard. So it's either two or, two or three days to hit oh, the okay. And so it's usually paid you know, every business day, but two or three days in arrears. So there's none of this issue with, you know, funds held for weeks or months, right, right. Uh, you know, because a lot of, I think people, some people in the region have tried to work out a PayPal solution or maybe a Stripe solution, um, which uh, if you can get it to work, you know, it's okay. Uh, you know, it'd only be US dollar for a start. Um, and then the funds will settle in the US and then you've got to repatriate those back into the, into the country. So you're paying wire fees to do that. Um, and you know, it's not really, it's, it's not really a smooth experience. It's a cash flow risk for a lot of businesses. It is, yeah. it is. And, you know, I, I think what we're trying to do as well is, you know, we're trying to grow the local, local economies. We're not trying to bleed 
money out of the system yeah. um, into another country. So, you know, yes, I can understand why people get frustrated with the bank sometimes and, and all the rest of it. And, you know, we, we've had a lot of these conversations where people will say, okay, well, I can't do this because I can't use PayPal. I can't use Stripe, you know, so I'm just not going to do it. Yeah. My, my message to everybody is we have everything we need within the Caribbean and the Central America region to be able to successfully launch an online business. Uh, we have the developers, we have the banks, we have the processes, we have the gateways, uh, we have the knowledge base now within the region, we have the desire to do it. And so you, you can get whatever you want to do that successfully, to launch a successful online business within our region now. That excuse is no longer there. Um, we, can do, we can do it. And, we, and there are thousands of merchants you know, just on our platform that can demonstrate that they can do it. Why, why do you think that people sometimes still hesitating, even in today's environment? Um, I think, you know, I think it can be daunting. You know, if you don't know anything about it, uh, about e-commerce or, or the technology or logistics on, on the back end of it, um, you know, it, I think, you know, when you look at it from uh, 10,000 feet, it, it can seem a bit daunting sometimes. Um, but there, we have a lot of companies now within the region that can help you, you know, focus on the important aspects of it and help you through that. So, you know, I'll give you like figure is a great example for, for local solution because, you know, it's already integrated from, from a gateway perspective for a payments perspective, it's integrated to DHL, um, you know, so in terms of, you know, shipping and logistics, you can take just a you know, the payment button aspect of it and drop that into WhatsApp. If you're running a WhatsApp business and just use that, you can, if you're, you know, a service provider and you want to send an, an e-invoice with a payment button in it, you can use that function. And then, you know, you can scale up to a full web shop. So, you know, you don't necessarily have to spend thousands of dollars anymore developing, you know, a fancy e-commerce website. You know, if you're, if that's not what you need, I still recommend everybody has a website because you need to be searchable. Right. Um, but if you don't need to add all the other payment functionality and logistics into the website and you just need to get paid online simply, you know, via a payment button or an invoice, then you can do that too. Um, so, you know, uh, servicemen like, you know, plumbers, electricians, etc., they don't necessarily want to spend all that time and energy on building a, a you know, an e-commerce enabled website. Right. You know, they want something that says, this is what we do, this is how to contact us. But, you know, after the, after the job, you want to be able to send an invoice and have it be an active invoice instead of, you know, one that just sits in somebody's inbox for 90 days and they forget to pay it because they have to log on to their internet banking or send a check or whatever it is. Okay. If it has a payment button in it, you click it right then and there, add your, you know, the customer adds the contact details, you get paid two days later, and then it updates the system to say you've been paid. So, you know, I think that's, I, I still think there's some, and it's changing rapidly now. There's, you know, it's, there's a generational issue, um, right? You know, where, you know, where certain people will just won't change, you know, they want cash, they want checks, right. and they're going to operate in that, ma in that manner. Um, but, you know, as the generations come through and everybody starts to live their life on, you know, a five inch screen, um, <laughs> that's what everybody expects. Right. to be able to buy, purchase, sell, transfer money from your phone. Um, but also historically, there has been an issue with credit card penetration within the region. Uh, and still, so, you know, there, you know, credit card ownership within the Caribbean is, is very low. Right. Uh, you know, it's still only, you know, 15 to 25%, depending on, on where you are in the region. You know, it's a very heavily cash-based economy still. Um, but yeah, and then you take Jamaica and Trinidad, which have local loop debit cards. So you have like the Lynx card in Jamaica or multi-link card. Uh, you have the um, Lynx network in Trinidad, uh, which historically have been MagStripe pin-based cards that don't work online. You can only use them at the ATM or at a physical point of sale machine, but now they're being branded. Um, so they're getting a Visa or a MasterCard logo on them which means you can suddenly use those online. Um, so you Trinidad, for example, huge, you're taking, you know, 80% of the population that never had access to a card that you can use online, suddenly being able to use it online. So the opportunity there is massive. 
So what, let, let's talk about numbers a little bit, because I think you have a lot of uh, insight into different industries and uh, in different businesses. Um, what should be, or what is the, maybe, maybe you can get, we can give a rough estimate or average, what would be the, the upfront investment for, for the setup? Because there are some costs for, for a business, maybe a developer here or some support from, from your side, whatever it might be. Um, that would be question one. Then question two, um, is there a certain minimum, let's say revenue amount per year that a business should have on a, yeah, on a regular basis to say, okay, now it actually makes sense to, um, yeah, to offer online payment um, solution. What is your experience in, in that regard? Yeah, I, I, you know, there, the upfront costs will really depend on, on what you're trying to build. Um, so if you were just want to purchase a plugin, uh, for example, for Shopify or WooCommerce or Wix, whatever, the, you're, you're looking at a you know a license fee of sub $300 a year uh, for the plugin. Um, and then you are, whatever your fees are to like Wix or Shopify, because they're going to have different fees themselves for using their platform. Um, and that will vary depending on, on which platform you're going to use and which of their services you're going to use within there. Um, so you need to take that into consideration. Um, and then you're going to have, you know, a, a per tran fee from us, which is going to be, you know, somewhere between, you know, 10 and 18 cents, depending on what your volume is, um, per transaction. And then you're going to look at a bank fee, um, for the e-commerce merchant account, which is usually going to be a percentage of the transaction. And that again will vary by bank, but also on, on, on volume. Um, and risk profile of, of your business. So the bank will charge X percent per transaction uh, for that. Um, there might be a monthly support fee or minimum that can range between, you know, a hundred, $180 a month um, on the processing. So there are some minimum fees in there that you have to cover. Um, so I, you know, if you're not doing um, you know, a few hundred a month, uh, in, in transaction volume, you know, you want, you might want to consider what you're doing. So, um, but there are different ways to approach that now too, because there's a lot of marketplaces that have popped up within the Caribbean. And this is what we're seeing in, uh, especially like Trinidad, for example, there's been 30 new marketplaces arrive. Um, and you know, Jamaica has them too. Uh, like Carib Shopper and uh, Cool Market and, you know, companies like this that are setting up to be um, basically an Amazon. I don't want to say Amazon completely, but, you know, it's, it's more tailored to the, the, you know, the local economy and the diaspora. Um, so, for example, you mentioned your wife's Jamaican and if she's missing something from Jamaica, you know, you can go into Cool Market and there's a lot of local vendors that are, that, you know, selling local products. Um, and you know, you can get those quite easily now. So as a, as a sole trader, you can go to these marketplaces, you know, sign an agreement with them and then get your individual products listed on their website. And you haven't had to do any of the setup. <laughs> you haven't had to, you know, get the merchant account. You haven't had to do the software development. You know, you're not, you're not doing any of the customer support really, you know, and, and worrying about the gateways. So that's a fantastic solution for small merchants within the region. So if you were only selling a few things a month, I would recommend people go in that direction because that is going to take care of a lot of the headaches. And then that grows from there, then consider your options. You know, do you want to continue to use that platform? Do you want to have your own website? Do you want to move to your own payment buttons, get your own e-commerce merchant account? Um, so, you know, as your business grows, you have a lot of other options to be able to support it from a website or, or payments perspective. But yeah, absolutely. If you're a startup business that, you know, you don't think you're going to be selling too much to begin with, absolutely look out, look at and investigate the marketplaces that are coming up within the curtain. One complaint that I get uh, quite a lot from <clears throat> companies that um, get into the space um, is the, the transaction fees that they have to pay. So my rule of thumb is as long as, as, long as it's under 5% in the Caribbean, you probably, um, yeah, you're probably uh, safe. 
Um, yeah. Is that fair to say from your perspective? Um, or what is the trend in, in that yeah. regard? I think that's that's fair. Um, so, you know, and then, you know, I, I think, <laughs> uh, you know, and I've had this debate with with people a lot in the in the region. Um, I remember specifically going to a Chamber of Commerce event, um, and you know, this gentleman stood up and said the banks were ripping everybody off, and um, and you know the fees, the bank fees, put the businesses out of business. <laughs> so. You know, there's a little bit of hyperbole there and somebody clanged to the crowd a little bit, but, you know, I think you've got to consider what your costs of business are, you know, cost of goods sold, right? So basic business planning, accounting within there. So, and every, and, and also everybody is playing with the same cost base when it comes to right. the banks, the transaction fees. So it's not a, it's not a competitive disadvantage here when you're, when you're selling within the Caribbean. So you have to make sure that you build you know, your fees for selling those goods into your overall price. Um, so, you know, you don't take the price and then forget about the fees and then say, well, actually, you know, I'm not making any money here. That's just bad business planning. Um, so, you know, make sure that you, you are understanding your, your costs have been sold properly. This is the first thing I'd say. But the, um, you know, if you compare this to something like a, a Stripe or a PayPal, so, their standard fees are, I think, like 2.95 and 30 cents a transaction, roughly. Um, like that, yeah, 3%, 3%, something like that, yeah. Yeah, so, and then 30 cents a transaction. So straight off the bat, you know, any of the merchants that are using our platform, the transaction fee is lower than that. I'd love to get 30 cents a transaction, but, you know, it's not, it's not happening. <laughs> um, so it's, um, and then the percentage, you know, that's going to range, uh, I think, within the region. I, you know, I think, you know, depending on the volume, you know, you might get 2%, 2.5%, and somebody could be as high as 5%. Um, so, and then, you know, if you're comparing that again to U.S. volume, it's not a great comparison. You're not really comparing apples to apples because, you know, U.S. solutions are able to offer their pricing based on just scale and volume. Yeah. Um, you know, we don't have that level of volume within our region. So... Um, you know, if the companies aren't able to make a certain margin, um, then the service is just not going to exist um, because, you know, companies can't do that. I was on a, a call the other day and, you know, for a consulting company that was, you know, doing some policy work for a government. And I said, well, why can't we just have a gateway per country, for example? I said, well, the scale is just not there. Um, so, you know, we, we were, you know, compared to other payment gateways in the world, we're relatively small. Uh, you know, we're a 21 people company based out of Bermuda. Um, and even as a company that size, you know, we need to have a lot of transactions, you know, the majority of transactions from our region uh, to make everything work from an economic standpoint. So if you try and set up a gateway, um, you know, per country, you know, the technology that's needed to do it is similar to what we have in terms of a stack and that's expensive. Yeah. Run. Um, so it just, the economies of scale just aren't there. Um, but also in the U.S., if you're using like a, again a PayPal or a Stripe or whatever it is, you have to repatriate that money back. So you're going to be paying wire fees, you know, and that could be a fixed fee, it could be a percentage on, on getting that money back, and you're probably not going to get that money as quickly as you would if you set up locally as well. Um, and then if you need it in local currency, then you're paying FX fees in there as well. So I would just really encourage people to not just say. The U.S. is cheaper. Let's really let's let's all do the homework uh, to really understand, you know, what we're comparing it to, yeah. uh, to be able to do it. Um, and then, you know, I think, you know, and it also, you know, if you're selling to other Caribbean countries, everybody is operating with the same price structure, so you're not being right. disadvantaged there. Yeah, I think what you said there that it has to be part of the overall strategy, and you just have to factor it in. Um in your cost of doing business and compare the right things. Because on the other hand, you could argue, well, if you have a point of sale then you have the rent that you pay for the store, you have maybe a clerk that does the transactions and that's probably more than the three or 5% that you pay in an online payment processor. 100%. And then, um, you know, you don't have dead time in there as well. So if exactly. you have a physical store and you're open nine to five right. and not weekends, you're, you're still right. paying rent on a space that you're not generating any revenue from right. online you're doing transactions while you sleep. Maybe we can segue into um, another topic quite um, 
easy on, on uh, right now because I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but you're also involved in a company that offers point of sales solutions or services. Is that correct? Yeah, so we, um, we have a sister company, um, same ownership, a lot of the same team members actually called uh, Powertrans. And Powertrans is designed to provide semi-integrated payment solutions for point of sale transactions. So for time and eternity um, in the Caribbean, you can go and buy a point of sale system that will run your bar or restaurant or hotel or you know, retail operation. And then when it comes to payments, you have to go to the bank and lease a payment terminal, like a Verifone mm -hmm. or a Jetco or whatever that is. And that terminal is directly fed into the bank payment system, processor system, but it has no connectivity to your point of sale system, uh, software that, that, that you know, runs your inventory and your pricing okay. and your accounting and your CRM. And so when you, and the experience pretty much everywhere you go in the Caribbean is, okay, so you go to checkout, they ring up the price, they type that price in manually into the, the Verifone, it gets this authorization, um, and then the transaction dies at the terminal. Um, so then you have to manually input that sale data into your point of sale system. And I've seen it with big companies, like, you know, sort of, um, you know, warehouse type setups. Yeah. Yeah. And at the end of the day, they're comparing yellow, you know, receipt receipts, and then having to compare that to what's in their point of sale system. Yeah. So, you know, which is, which is a problem. And the reason that happens is because, you know, all the big companies like NCR or Micros or Oracle or whoever that is, that's providing those point of sale systems, you know, they have integrated systems within the US or Canada or Europe or wherever it is. But when you bring those, try and bring that down south, none of the certifications work because the payment terminal is different and you, well, this is like a three hour session to talk about that, but you, you have to go through a lot to certify a payment terminal through the processing string right. effectively. So they haven't done it because the market's not big enough for them. Um, and it doesn't move the needle. You have like an NCR that does like a billion transactions a day, you know, the, it, the Caribbean volume just doesn't move the needle for them. So they haven't invested the time or money to, to provide the connectivity. So we have a lot of merchants that are in the uh, physical space as well as online space. And they've asked us for years to help solve this issue. And we said no, um, because we're an e-commerce company and that's what we do. And then the noise got so loud that we said, okay, well, maybe we can do this. You know, it's still transaction processing and it's software development, which is what we do. Uh, so we, we uh, long story short, we created and built our a new gateway called Paratrans that is designed and certified to support card present transactions. So EMV, chip and pin, contactless, MSR, uh, pin-based transactions. Um, and we built it and we certified it. And we then certified a couple of different payment terminals uh, and continuing to add other payment terminals to that platform and then provide a very simple integration point on the front end that point of sale software vendors can integrate to. Um, so, so now, they are able to, when they just press pay now, the integration point will automatically talk to the payment terminal, display the price. So there's no manual entry of the price. The card transaction is then encrypted with PCI validated point-to-point -point encryption. We will send it off to the appropriate bank for processing. And then we will get the response data back, display it on the terminal, but then importantly, send all that response data back into the point of sale system. So it can automatically update their, their inventory, can update their accounting. Um, so making all their reconciliation a lot easier, you know, taking all that data if they have a, a CRM system within there um, and, and populate all of that. So that is something that we, we have recently done. Um, and so we're starting to launch that um, throughout the region right now. So we have you know, a few clients on it. We've, you know, COVID hit shortly after we went live with it. So a lot of people's attention have, and rightly so have gone to e-commerce. And just as we start to look at reopening, we're, we're doing more and more in there, but we did a lot with kiosks, for example. Mm -hmm. um, and that has kept us very busy on that side of the business over the pandemic, because people want to be able to pay for things in a you know, safe way and kiosks provide a good way to do that. So for flow, for example, 
we did a project right across the Caribbean for them to put bill payment kiosks out there with you know full EMV chip and pin capability within that. So that's the first solution of its kind within the Caribbean. Um, so we're really pleased with that, and you know we're we're we've got a lot of other projects that are rolling out on the kiosk side, and that could be vending machines, parking, uh, bill payment kiosks, a um, lot of different applications uh, for that type of product. So not originally what we envisaged, um, but we were able to adapt and pivot to to provide that type of solution during the you know once in a hundred year pandemic type scenario. Um, so and then now we we you know, our attention goes back to providing all the retail and and hospitality integrated payment solutions within that space too. Yeah, I think from a strategic perspective, probably smart to basically cover both areas, the complete digital space and then also the yeah intersection basically in the point of sales um, environment. So yeah, we will see how that is going to play out in a few years from now with the, yeah, depending on how the whole pandemic thing develops um before we wrap this up um any final thoughts from your sides and where can people find you uh, yeah when they want to learn more about your services yeah I, I think you know the final thought is that you know i think the region is well positioned to be able to take advantage of e-commerce and i, I want to get i'm always trying to reinforce that message because there uh there has been a, a thought school of thought you know, up until fairly recently that, you know, we can't do this as a region. Well, I, I, I'm absolutely here to say that we can, and we have everything that we need, all the tools, all the technology, all the people to make that happen. Um, and, you know, when it comes to, you know, where to find us, uh, there's, you know, the best way is our website, you know, which is just firstatlanticcommerce.com. Uh, and all the, all the information on everything we do is on that website. Uh, the contact us page is there. Uh, we also run a, a bi-weekly LinkedIn live series uh, where we're creating content about e-commerce and the digital economy uh, every week because there's, you know, as you'll know, there aren't a lot of content creators about that space specifically for our region. Right. Um, so we invite different um, industry experts around that space to uh, give their thoughts and knowledge um, expertise within those. So, you know, connect with us on our LinkedIn, LinkedIn page as well, just firstlandatcommerce.com on LinkedIn. And, uh, you know, our phone numbers are on there. So we don't have a 1-800 number, for example, you know, we're not as a sort of anonymous, uh, massive company where we have direct dials, direct emails, and, uh, you know, we're here to help any way we, any way we can. Thanks for listening. And I hope to see you soon.